Hallelujah. Yeah, it's awesome when God moves and you lock eyes with the maker. Nothing else matters. If in your heart and in your mind it was not only Christ, you couldn't receive what was happening in that moment. You can't receive. It's, it's, it's like driving but looking over your shoulder the whole time, you know, or not focusing on what's ahead. And I pray that God do it more and more in this body of believers, that he continue to teach us that there's nothing else to look at and that it is only him. Be still, not just now, but always. God desires for us to have a sober mind, amen? A sound mind, not one that's run rampant with thoughts, especially worldly thoughts. But a sound mind, that is that space is occupied by God in the way that you think, in the way that you address things and discern things, that your mind would not be yours. It would be the very mind of Christ. You know that? Matter of fact, before I go into it, let me read it to you so you know that I'm not making stuff up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One of my favorite chapters in the entire scripture because it'll give you a clarity on who you are. Anybody ever wondered what their identity was? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you'll learn exactly who you are. And I'm going to tell you, it's, not, it's a lot less about who you are and who God, more about who God is in you. But watch this. How many of us have ever heard the scripture? No eye is seen. No ear is heard. No mind can imagine. That scripture, though true in the sense that we have not seen all of God, in the sense that there's so much more to come in heaven, but it is also not true in the sense that you haven't seen all of God here, because if you have seen Christ, you have seen the Father. And this passage of text is a reference to an Old Testament scripture and that was referencing everyone who had not yet seen Christ. Because I'm going to read it to you how now you and I are able to receive from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, But the rulers of this world, of what? The rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when it says. One, one issue I have, uh, I have developed over the years with preaching is that preachers like to take a scripture, pull it out, and then build their own interpretation and, and, and things around it. And they don't support it with the truth of Christ or the message of God. They support it with their own message. So they'll take a scripture like this and they'll make it about giving. You don't know what God has in store for you. So, you know, when you give, press down, shaking together, overflowing, because you don't know what God has. That has nothing to do with the scripture. This scripture is talking about the worldly rulers do not have the ability. No eye is seen. This is what the scripture means. And no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God prepared Jesus. Do you understand that? Oh, that means your mind's different then. 
Say amen to that. Because now you have the mind. Why? Verse 10. Anytime you see the word but in a set of scriptures, it basically cancels out the previous statement, right? Say but. It was to us that God revealed these things. What things? What things? What no eye has seen. Are you tracking with me? What no ear has heard and what no mind has imagined, God has revealed to us. Watch this. These things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Amen. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Isn't that awesome? So it shouldn't be your mind anymore. Watch this. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They say you're you're crazy. You're you're trying too hard. No, 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 no. Just go serve in children's. That's all you need to do. I love that. You hear that? They're in there worshiping right now. It's awesome. But watch. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those, say only those, who are spiritual can understand. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. Your translation may say judge may judge all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated. They cannot be judged by others. Watch. Who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Who knows enough to teach him? And you know, some people would sit back and say, let's just take that scripture out and say, nobody knows God's thoughts. Nobody, nobody knows him. Nobody can understand it. Nobody can teach him. It's the truth. We can't teach God. But we understand these things. For we have what? What's your Bible say? What, what mind? Now, either you believe the text or you're going to turn away from this and say, that's not what it means. No, it's telling you right here. If you are spirit filled, born again, if you are, if you are saying things like I can't live for myself anymore, that's the mind of Christ in you. That is not you. The mind of Christ in you shows you the truths about the scripture. So how many of us have heard this, this uh, story of Lazarus? How many of us have ever heard that story and then the message was on faith? Am I, is that how usually when they talk about Lazarus being raised from the, from the dead, they usually are talking about you got to have faith. Right? How many of us have ever heard this story and truly it was preached, the message was preached for the glory of God? That that's why Lazarus was even born. That Lazarus' birth was so that one day he would die from sickness and be raised to dead, raised from the dead for the glory of God. 
We have a hard time with that message, which that is what I'm going to show you in the text today. But we have a hard time with that message because we don't want to believe that God already knows everything. We want to be the captain of the ship. We want to be the one to determine the compass of our life. But the truth is, and any born-again believer who is spirit-filled rejoices in this truth that I'm about to say, I'm thankful God is in control. And I am not. My heart rejoices that I am in the hands of the one true living God. I am not fearful by being in his hand. I don't feel insecure by being in his hand. I don't feel like my life is out of order by being in his hand. My, my, my life may look like it's out of order. Things might look like they don't, they're questionable. But because my life is dictated and given by the hand of God and for the hand of God, for what he is going to use it for, even if I'm in death's grave, I still shall not fear because the Lord is with me. Lazarus was in death's grave. And if he could shout back from that place to every living creature on earth, do you know what he would say? Trust the Lord. Don't trust yourselves. You know, he would shout back to his family and say, don't doubt Jesus. Oh, if I could hear the message from the tomb, huh? what would that be like? What would Paul be saying right now to us? Well, I got good news. He'd be saying what I'm saying because I'm in the same spirit that he was in. He'd be saying what you're receiving right now. Those of you that are in the spirit are going to get it today. You're going to say, God, help me. (laughs) Because I never saw the scriptures like this before. Because you were obedient and readied your heart. And you said, I'm going to be still. Lord, slow me down. Now God's going to plant something mighty into your life. I believe revelation is going to come in a multiple fashion today. It's not going to just hit one person. It's going to hit all of us, young to old. You're going to see today the power of God. Amen. You're not going to walk away the same. Thank you, Lord, for not keeping me the same. In John chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this. John chapter 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped him with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to what's about to happen. Has anybody in here ever asked for prayer for someone who's sick? How would you respond if the pastor, I'm just going to put myself on the the pedestal here for a second. If the pastor, not not like I'm raising myself up, just I'm going to put myself in the light. If the pastor says, I'm not going to pray for you. If you came with a message, let's just take a step further. We'll just do it more like this. If you told Jeff to come send me a message to pray for you, and I said no, how would you feel? We treat prayer with entitlement. 
God doesn't owe you an answered prayer. We got to get this. That way you don't come to the throne of God with the wrong heart. He doesn't owe you an answered prayer. He doesn't owe you anything. So when we pray with entitlement, that's from the devil. I know that's hard to hear. But be thankful, like I said, for those of us that are spirit-filled, we're thankful that God is in control. Amen? Why? Because we got to take none of the glory. He's taking care of us. We're thankful. But we also should be thankful that the results of your sin are pinned on Satan. And God is beckoning you to come out from that because it is not you that's like that. God wants to rescue you. But every lie comes from where? Satan, because he's the father of lies. So if you come to the throne of God demanding him, and you won't do it like this, God, answer my prayer or else, or else what, right? But, you, but you, here's how you'll do it. You'll do it with the, with the posture that if you don't answer my prayer, I'm offended already. Because I've been good to you. I tithe. I go to church. I do all these things. And so since I do all these things, I expect you to be God. That whole process of thinking is from Satan. That doesn't come from the Lord. This is why the works-based mentality imprisons you. It doesn't set you free. Because the right way is, God, because of who you are and because of what you've done in my life, I'm coming with my petitions. And if you answer them, which I believe you can, and I'm praying with all my heart that you will, if you don't, I'll praise and serve you anyway. I don't need you to answer this to prove you're God. Very important. Because what's about to take place in modern day religion, I can't even call it Christianity. Because true Christianity doesn't look like what you think it looks like. It doesn't look like what it's become in this, in this uh, age. True Christianity still remains with those who are spiritual. It's still the remnant of God still belongs to those who are born again truly. And, and it has never changed. Man has made it and put God's name on something that is not true. And it comes from the father of lies. And I'm hoping today you will see the truth. Watch this in verse four. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for what? What happened? His sickness. His sickness. It's, it's important. We have no problem. Man, I feel the anointing. I almost fell over right now. I got dizzy. There's so much warfare over this right now. Like, even through the camera lens. I know when people watch this later, they're going to be encountering the true living God. I know that right now, this is causing issues in the hearts of people. In this section, we have no problem with saying that the death was for the glory of God. But we have an issue saying the sickness is for the glory of God. So, let me read it again. Because I know we'll, if I move too fast, we're going to miss it. 
Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened. What's it? He's talking about the sickness. For what? So whether or not Satan distributed the sickness, the sickness was placed there by God. Someone needs to hear that right now. All of it is for the glory of God. So that the son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, I want you to pay attention to these words. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, although he loved all three of them, the one who ended up sick and the two that were worried about his sickness, he loved them all. He stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Sometimes I wish we didn't have technology. Because if you don't respond to somebody's message within two seconds, they're offended. They don't even know if you're really praying. And they're over there in their flesh upset at you because you didn't, you read it, but didn't reply. How about that? We're not looking at them. You pointed at them. You read it. You don't reply. Oh my God. How dare you? How dare you read it? I know you read it. Then you type something. No, no, I'm going to delete that. And then you type something. No, I'm going to delete that. We get in our flesh. Not even knowing that God is, is moving. And sometimes I wish there wasn't such a quick response. Because then you can kind of justify the trip a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why is he taking so long? Man, maybe he got ate by a lion. I don't know. Maybe he got hit by a car. I mean, I can at least have something. But when it's like this, no, I know they read it because it says red right there. <laughs> Maybe the messenger never got there. I mean, there's so many hypotheticals with distance. But listen, he said, I'm going to stay. How would you feel if you lived down the block? You sent a messenger to the pastor down the street and they said, I'll get to it in two days. See, this is why it's so important that we don't just do life with everyone, but we're doing life with those that have been called and chosen by God, because then you can give the benefit of the doubt. Amen. Oh, he's, he'll get to it in two days. God must be doing something. But because of the way churches treat their people, everybody feels entitled. You should be stat, baby boy. I give to your church. Uh-uh. Keep your money. If anybody in here was given for that, keep your money. Do not give here. Your money should not be used for that purpose to, to, to feed that part of your heart. No, no. God is doing something here. So very important because they would have done that to him. And you're going to see something so beautiful in this text. Watch this. And when I am lifted up, oh, wait, sorry. Um, I'm on the wrong one. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Um, now, just so you understand kind of how God has me preach, so that way you don't feel like it's all over the place, okay? God has me take the text for what it is and then open it up for you so you can understand what was going on at the time so then you can relate it to your present situation and realize God doesn't change. 
That's how God has me preach. My whole goal is to show you that the same God that was in the Bible is the same God operating today. That's my goal. And I'm hoping that you'll see this, that when they, when they said rabbi and they were objecting, you're going to have people in your life try to get you to do something contrary to what God has asked you. And those people are going to come from below, beside, and above in the world system. They're going to be people who are, who, are, who are serving you or along with you in, in a ministry. They're going to be people who are doing life with you here. And they're going to be people over you. In your life, you're going to have people try to make you question what the Father is asking you to do. Now, if you're the first person that I was talking about at the 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> pre-word, if you were here. And if you have a spirit on you of sadness and depression, the last thing you need is this. Because this will feed into that. If God has asked you to do something, but yet you still want control of your own life, you will easily be swayed by those. Because you're going to get alongside somebody who wants to tell you what you want to hear. Instead of hold you to what God is saying. Those who are walking in the spirit do not need to defend their stance. Because God is their defender. You sh- listen, you shouldn't have to ask me if God tells you to leave. If God, uh, hey, if God told you, you know what, I want you to go do something else. There's only one reason why you're going to leave this church. Well, there's two, but I'll tell you the one reason right now that I'm talking about. There's only one good reason why you'll leave is because God's calling you to take this somewhere else. That's it. That's the one good reason why you should leave and no longer be a part of the community in a physical presence. You should definitely be a part of the entire community in the spiritual sense because it's still the Lord that's going with you. But you should never leave and wonder if I agree or not. You shouldn't stay out of fear and you shouldn't leave out of impulse. God wants to show you how to lead you in the truth so that way you're not trying to please man over him. And you're no longer using a defensive posture to justify to people, I'm obeying God. You don't have to defend yourself. God is your defender. I'm speaking to somebody right now. Because if I was to wait and you came desperately asking for prayer, you knew that your family member was on the last leg, And you came and said, pray for them now because, I mean, they could die at any moment. I said, give me two days. (laughs) I'm never coming to your church again, right? Like, who are you? Who do you think you are? No, that's a reflection of who you actually think you are. Because Jesus said, it won't end in in death. This is for God's glory. That statement is before anything else takes place. Oh, thank you, Lord. Why? Why is God so loving that he would give us this firm foundation before anything else takes place? Because he knew they were going to need that to lean on. He knew that when they walked up to that tomb and his disciples were with them and that body was dead in that grave and they said he's gone, that they were going to have to remember the words he told them from the beginning, which was this will not end in death. Now, could you imagine that? Watch what happens here. It's powerful. Now they're trying to like persuade him. Hey, they were going to kill you not too long ago. You're going back into the place. Spare yourself the trouble, Jesus. Every born again believer is thinking a lot less about their own trouble. When God shows them the trouble 
that's ahead. When you're thinking about the end of time, the end of the world, hell is coming, just like heaven's coming. Like that's coming for people. You're not, you're not really concerned about yourself anymore because you're secure. You're locked up. God has put his blood on you. So you're thinking a lot less about your own self anymore. Don't worry about me if I'm going to die. It's God's will if I live or die. But I have something he wants me to do. Amen. I pray that Christians will no longer play it safe. And I also pray that they don't go taking a risk in foolishness, that they would obey God. I pray for the move of God. Amen. So he says this. Jesus replied to them. There are 12 hours in, a, in daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. I can preach a whole sermon on the whole stumbling and all that. I'm, I'm going to skip that for right now because I want to get to more, a more important piece. <clears throat> I will go and wake him up. Now. Where's Raul? Is he Raul here? Where you at? Come here, brother. I'm going to pause for just a second. And I had no plans on doing this when God gave me this word, but something happened yesterday. And I want Raul to come and just share this testimony. And I want to pray uh, afterwards. But he says, I'm going to come and wake him up. When God tells you to do something, you have to do it. Jesus said he was going to wake him up. Amen. We got a word a few weeks ago and it's God has repeated this word to us as a church body that God was going to out of nowhere begin to put it in people's hearts and stir in people's hearts to come here to pathway that it was going to come not from evangelizing not from going and running into them at a supermarket but out of nowhere people were going to literally have God come to them and begin to speak to them and say we have to go to that place or I have to go to that place and so I want to I want to have my brother share this testimony with Start from when he got sick and then give it and then we're going to pray. But I want him to share this testimony. Um, glory to God. Thank you, COVID. Um, uh, so not too many people knew, but my father was rushed to the hospital through ambulance. Wind up finding out he had ammonia then slash COVID. Uh, Thursday night. So I found out Friday morning when I got to work and so I had posted on band, you know, for, you know, the, the body to come together and just pray for him. So one of my last comments on, on there was, I pray he turns to the Lord and on our band, on the band. Yeah. So. And he wound up calling yesterday, coming back from Bass Lake. We are behind Tony Michelle and just to share this with my wife and, you know, for her to hear himself come out from his own mouth. But he's in the hospital. And he's like, son, like this is something I haven't done in a long time, but I've dropped to my knees last night. When he dropped to his knees, when he told me that, the Lord quickened me to tell him that was your one-on-one time with him. And so, 
during that all that was taking place he's like the lord was the lord was tugging on my heart to give everything up cuz he was addicted to meth meth and was into involved with a lot of stuff but he's like from here on out i just want to be clean and go to church with you that the lord's calling him to pathway and so when we got off the freeway, I was like, I have to, me and Veto, we looked at each other and we we're just like, man, like I was, I was crying and joy on the freeway. Pretty much I was still kind of crying when I got to Pastor Tony's and I was like, I had to go share with Michelle, Tony, Brother Aaron. And it was just, it was, it's a beautiful thing to, to witness that. So, he said, thank you, thank you for COVID. That's awesome. But it's true. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon his dad in the hospital and said, time to give everything up. I've been walking with him for two years. He's never made that phone call. And then on top of that, he says, the Lord told me, I need to go with you. Now, it doesn't matter if he ever shows up to me. It doesn't matter to me because the Lord has faithfully confirmed what he said he's going to start doing in the hearts of people. Now, I'm believing he's coming. And I know right now he's, he's sick, but we're going to believe for his healing right now. So, Father God, we lift him up to you. For We lift Raul Sr. up to you right now. And we pray that in that hospital room, you would send your Holy Spirit and touch that body. For your glory, Lord. We pray right now healing because we know there are no accidents in the kingdom. And that you are the giver of life. And we pray that one day we would see that man walk through these doors. We're believing in faith, Father, that this will be done. Above all else, we pray, Father, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed, that if you do not do that, and it is your will to take him. Glory to your name anyways. But again, I reiterate, I believe with my brothers and sisters in full faith that he will come through these doors and that we will get to meet him and hug him and love on him for your glory. In Jesus name. Amen. Isn't God good? And some of us are sitting and you're start, you already looked at your clock. You're counting the time. We'll see if that happens. But we will. And God is going to get the glory in all of it. Listen to what happens here. Verse 12, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. <laughs> they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Now, let me just, again, deal with the human reason. Joshua, if I'm sitting with you and we're talking and you ask me for prayer, I say, give me two days. And okay, you're not frustrated with me. You know, we're walking in the spirit. You're like, cool, brother. All right. And then they die. And then I told you the sickness would not end in death. But now here we are with a dead person. This speaks two things to us who know the truth. 
Number one, Jesus is never referring to the natural. He doesn't put the emphasis or the focus on the natural thing. He was saying that Lazarus was going to live. Not only was Lazarus going to live temporarily, but he was going to live eternally. Because wasn't Lazarus in Abraham's bosom? In the story with the rich man that looked through the chasm. See, God is so faithful to give us the accounts. And here we see it. But, but how much more upset would you be, Josh, if now there's a dead body and I told you they wouldn't die? And you know what? Let me just be completely transparent with everybody in here. Everybody's flesh cannot wait to prove each other wrong. You are looking, your flesh is looking for a reason to prove each other wrong. So then you can then go back into your sadness and depression. It's a lie. But see, as a spirit-filled believer, even them walking with Christ at the time, they, they doubted Jesus. How much more would you doubt me? And I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm not actually Jesus. And you would say, but he's dead, man. You said he wouldn't. So that means everything else you say is a lie and everything else you are is, is a liar. Right? You would turn on each other in two seconds. And look at, look at what the Lord is teaching us here today. I love it. Watch. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, for our sake, thank you, Lord. I'm glad I wasn't there. Don't you be condescending, right? Like, rub it in, Jesus. You know I'm upset. Lazarus is dead. I'm upset here. And I'm glad I wasn't there. And he didn't laugh about it. And they were very, really upset about it. And they didn't understand. Because they had not had the spirit in them yet. So let me say something to you that claim to be spirit-filled. Don't make excuses anymore. You are spirit filled. You should not question the things of God. You should not question the people of God. The, the whole teaching of test every spirit doesn't apply to the Holy Spirit filled person. You've already tested that spirit. How many times you got to poke at it? No, brother, but I know people who fallen out the spirit. I got to be careful. That's a lie. They were never in the spirit. If they fell out the spirit. So are you saying what? That God keeps his people? Yes. That no one can be snatched from his hand. Yes. And if you understand that you can't even take yourself out of the hand of God. How can you sit across from your brother who you know it's true for them too? And question. And test, not for the sake of truly wanting to know, but because you're afraid to lose control. That's the only reason why we do it. Because here's the truth. Jesus is going to win out anyway. I don't have to sit in fear when people are talking in the name of the Lord, because I know how to tell if it's giving glory to God or not. And if somebody comes to me and says, this is for the glory of God. This is for the glory of God. This is for the glory of God. Then I'm going to wait to see the glory of God. And if that glory don't come, then I'm going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> What's really going on here? I don't need to test it. It will prove itself. 
God never has to test himself. He always proves himself. Amen? And people are afraid of that. People are afraid of that. But I'm, I'm just saying, Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there. You'd be really mad at me. Look, I've already gotten in trouble the last like five, six weeks because I told you, what, what, if, what if I said, get behind me, Satan? How many of us would have a problem with that? I'm not Satan. Come on. Who's above that, that rebuke? If you're full of the Holy Spirit and God has changed your life, then that means everything God is doing in your life is working to the good. And that means God is in control. So if something is coming through me, I'm not telling you to trust Tony. You should say amen. That's good, right? Amen. I'm not telling you to trust me. And I am not using this to manipulate you. I'm hoping you get free. I'm telling you to trust God. If you can't hear God for yourself, don't follow me. Because I will not be the voice of God for you. You should know the voice of God for yourself and then we can follow each other. Amen. So watch this. They keep following him, even though he's saying these things. He says, for now, you will, you, for now, he said, oh, sorry, let me go back. Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm very glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Let's go see him. You know, you're sitting in a, a, a fulfilled word right now. Those chairs you're sitting in, it's fulfilled prophecy. It is. We stood, let me just, I'm just going to give you an illustration. I stood right about here where the Hood family's at. No, I was back here where there's nobody right here. I stood right about here. There was a, a doorway right here, a wall, and the real estate man came. We had $9,000 in the bank. Trust me, we were trying to save everything we could. I said, the, the man came to me and started talking to me right here, right? You were with me, Tommy? Who was here with me whenever that was going down? Tommy, my son, Jeff, were you here when I was, the first time when I was talking to him? Who, Ray, were you here? So there was like at least five of us, four of us. We were standing right here. The eyewitness accounts. The man came to me. Look, year and a half old church. We don't know nothing. We have no, getting a loan, yeah, right. Can't do it. This guy comes to me and under the spirit of God, I said, all right, I'll I'll make this offer. (laughs) And I made an offer standing right here. I said, I want to give you 15000 up front. I'll give you 15000 in six months. Uh, I want the first two months free. Go back to the owners and see if they'll carry the paper for us. And he was like, Be, you, you see the look on his face, the ones that were here? He, he, he goes, oh, Aaron was here with us too. And he said, I've done over 100 deals and none of them like this. I really doubt it. I really doubt it. And they all stood there looking at me. What am I going to say? Right? But this isn't a work of Tony. This isn't a work of Tony Tabera. This is a work of Jesus Christ, guys. You listen to the gospel. Judge for yourself. Is this sound doctrine? You know if this is sound doctrine or not. Is it dealing with the matters of your fleshly heart? Yes. Is it glorifying God? Yes. So that's why God gave these chairs. That's why God gave these chairs. Because I said, go back and tell the owners what I told you and we'll see what happens. Two hours later, I get a phone call. They accepted everything. Now here we are, $9,000 in the bank, and we need $45,000. That's a big gap, especially when you don't really have resources. Like, I can't just call pastors and say, hey, guys, help us plant this church. <laughs> a lot, during COVID. <laughs> a lot of them are like, I'm trying to keep mine afloat, bro. 
And I said, I don't know how this is going to happen. But the Lord said, the moment I walked through that threshold, the spirit of the Lord fell on me and said, this is your home. This is yours. I'm going to give this to you. And within six weeks, through various means, we had all the money we needed. And you're now sitting in a fulfilled prophecy. You know, there's many people. I, I, I got to be, man, I, am, I, I have to be completely honest with you. There are many people who have built buildings and said it was God, but they just had good connections. And you would say to yourself, well, was it still God? Yes, he allowed it. But they're not being completely truthful with you. They're making something appear to be a miracle that's not a miracle. Even the world knows how to build a franchise. What separates one place that is truly from God from another place that's just carrying the name? It's the glory to God. And I'm sorry you won't see that in mass numbers. It won't happen all the time that way. Eventually you'll see it. I promise that. There's coming another move of the Lord. It's coming. And he's pouring his spirit out. And you'll see people eventually in larger numbers. But it doesn't start that way. It's the glory to God in your home. It's the glory to God in your car. It's the glory to God along the way. And you know what I'm talking about. Everybody who's here, you know what I'm talking about when God wakes you up at 1, 2, and 3 in the morning. And it's glory to God. Glory to God. That's the glory to God I'm talking about. I'm talking about a group of people that can't even give their life to the world anymore. Like they try and they're miserable. And when they try, God stops them. And when they do it with all their strength, he shuts it down. And then they come crawling to the house like, okay, Lord, like I get it. It's true. So that's what's coming. That's what's happening right now. And I'm going to show you everything is for the glory of God. This is not about a glory to man. I will be the first one to, I don't care if I have to spider monkey up this building and take off these signs and burn those signs. The moment anybody tries to worship pathway family church, it is not about the organization. We are not creating another denomination. This is the kingdom of God. And guess what? I'm so confident in the leaders that have been built up in this ministry that if I croaked right now, Jeff would drag my body outside and step up and finish the message. He'd say, we get to the body later. (laughs) He would. I know he would. He's crazy. (laughs) But it, but it, it really should be that way though, that the ministry doesn't rest on anyone's shoulders. But it's on the shoulders of Christ Jesus. And that you guys would have relationship in the glory of God outside of this place, in this place, and everywhere else. And that's the glory to God I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a nice sermon. I'm talking about spirit-filled believers. Huh? Watch this. You should get excited because it's going to get good. Let's go and see him. You would be upset, man. Let's go see the dead body. Don't, I don't want your help now. <laughs> right? I asked you for prayer. You, you took two days. You said he wouldn't die. He's dead. I don't trust you. Get out of here. 
He's like, let's go. Watch this. Thomas nicknamed the twin. See, they had nicknames in the Bible, right? MD? Okay. Said to to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. (laughs) Who said the Bible ain't funny, man? I cracked up when I read this. I was like, you would have that dude, right? Like, you're going to go back to the place they threatened to kill you. And I'm like, man, let me go show you this this miracle. You're like, yeah, let's go, guys. Let's go die with them. And the funny thing is it does not expound on that at all. It's just, they, this is how I know the Bible's real. They just wrote word for word. And he said, what? Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in, the, in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. Now, remember, they were consoling Martha and Mary and their loss. What equates their loss? What they're holding to and now they don't have anymore. Well, you should lose your life. Except I'm not going to come and console you for that. I'm going to rejoice that you've lost your life for the Lord. But they were mourning her loss of Lazarus. Look at the human reason in that. Look at how that relates to your life. When you look at situations that you know God has promised you certain things, that he's going to come through on certain things, and then you have this moment where you feel like you're losing Something, your parents, your family, your cars, whatever, whatever it is, just tangible. And you have these moments of doubt. That's the flesh. You shouldn't put your trust there. It's not dependable. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, I'm going to show you how twisted the flesh is right now. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in her house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. So see the faith that I believe you can heal the sick. I've seen it. I just don't believe you can raise the dead because I've never seen that before. Do you remember when Noah had to build the ark? He had to build it because he, even though he had never seen rain, God has this natural thing about him, this way about him that when he asks you of something true, it's usually something you've never seen. And he puts this, this distance between you and him. The problem with us is once we see it, we think we know it. God is not trying to show you something so you can know something. He's trying to show you something so he can get the glory out of your life. This is why God's doing it. I'm sorry that doesn't have sparkles all over it for you, right? So he can get the glory. Like that's the biggest thing that could ever happen in your life. It's the greatest miracle that could ever happen in your life. Is that you would see God get the glory. There is no spectacle greater than that. No, no uh, a monument greater than that. There's nothing in the world greater than seeing God get glory out of your life. And you don't know how to be excited about that in your flesh because you just don't know what that looks like. That's why every time it happens, you go, oh, and then you get an old back to sleep. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like. Christianity 101, that's what people do. And God will do it every time. He'll blow your mind every time. And watch this. It's, she, she had a, a measure of faith. He would have never died. I know this, that if you were here, he would have never died. 
I really wish that, or my prayer is that we wouldn't walk away from today and say, that's a good word, but that the word would be alive in you today. If you had only been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And even in that you would think, Oh, she's believing. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes. Martha said he will rise when everyone else rises. On the last day. See the limitation? We're guilty of this. Especially when it pertains to you. Like if I was to stop right now and say, you know what? Basilio, come preach. He'd be really unprepared. But if it was truly God that had me ask you, brother, you would come up here and give a word that I could not give. Because I can't give this word. He would give the word of God. And that's what this is like. It's, this, it's right outside of your wheelhouse. It's right outside of your ability, right? It's right outside of what you're hoping for. And then when you try to understand God, you're like, of course. You try to agree with God, right? That's like me and Josh. If I was saying, nah, brother, he's going to rise again. Like, yeah, of course, Tony, I get it. Don't rub it in my face. He's coming on the last day, <laughs> right? No, I mean like right now. Like right now, God's going to answer your prayer like right now. But not a prayer that's a selfish prayer, a worldly prayer, a prayer that's going to give him. Come on, we got to get that so ingrained in us. Watch this. I'm almost done. I know Ronnie says, stop saying that. Stop telling us you're almost done. Nobody cares. Ronnie's like, I care, brother. (laughs) I got somewhere to go. Watch this. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. I can picture him looking at her. I can, I can see it almost like if it's real for me. Because I know that God has done what he said he will do and he'll keep doing it. And he, he says, I am. There is no one else. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even after dying. When my mom died. And I came back to church. And I preached. And I said she's alive. People came up to me. After the service. A day later. They messaged me in my inbox. I got text messages. From various different people saying. Hey brother. I know you said your mom's alive and praise God you believe that. I'm giving you a paraphrase, but it was the same message. But we know there's going to be times you miss her. Just know I'm here for you. The danger of me saying this next statement is that I know some of us agree with that statement. We agree that we should console people. I'm not completely removing comforting people when they're mourning. I'm not removing that. I'm, we should do this. But we shouldn't expect that. When God has put a word in somebody, we should encourage that they stand on the word God gave them. Because if God gave them a word, you should remind them of that word. Your job now is not to go when, when they're weak or whatever and console with them there. You remind them that it is God that said she's alive. 
And that's what I would want. See, you can't speak for me. I can speak for me. But that's what I would want. If I had a moment, it's like, man, I really miss my mom. Remember, she's alive. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's alive. Why would I mourn? She's more alive than me. See, we, we get it. But when it happens to us, man, we, we, we change that message up. The flesh doesn't want to hear that anymore. But yet Jesus, he tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he's not saying, so since you know that, go mourn a little bit and come back to me. And let's have this whole rinse and repeat process where you mourn over the same thing and I heal you over the same thing. No. No, I might mourn differently over my wife leaving than my mother leaving. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm Superman. But I know God is not mourning like I mourn. Because if my wife was to pass, she would be alive. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. I love this part. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leaving hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. Look at all the human reason that's in that. Like, there's the will of God happening where she's going to meet Jesus. No one can see that, but they're assuming whatever they're assuming. And so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and Jesus saw, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now listen to what comes next. Many of us have heard the scripture, Jesus wept. Right? Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. But people think he wept because Lazarus died. We're talking about God here. We're talking about the God who just before he got to the tomb had all the time in the world to weep. Right? Let's, use, let's just use a little bit of spiritual common sense. He had all the time in the world to weep over Lazarus. He had four days. Why would he weep now? He, when, he, when does it hit the, the hardest? When you get the news. What? Then when you go see. He knew he died already. Because he told the disciples, he's not sleeping, he's dead. Somebody help me right now. Because you're about to have your eyes opened. If you're, if you're in the spirit, you're going to receive strong right now. So why did he weep? What is this that's going on? It says right here. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw other people welling with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. He was not troubled about Lazarus' death because he already prophesied this happened for the glory of God. Some people in their flesh would say, no, but he had to live out the human experience. No, don't do that. Don't do that. He wasn't crying over his death. Listen to the text. It's written the way that it's written for this reason. So you would know why he wept. Why is it important to know why Jesus wept? Watch. Where have you put him? He asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. 
the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. Some people have taken that scripture and said, oh, because it was true. They saw how much he loved him. No, they were imposing their earthly view of what that is on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He was weeping because they had unbelief. He was weeping because he saw they were mourning and he told them that they, that she, that he would live. They were mourning and they couldn't believe. Now I'm going to show you the case in point because the scripture is going to show it right here. When he was weeping, it wasn't because Lazarus was dead because he knew he was going to come back from the dead. He was weeping with anger, deep anger and frustration because he was looking at the full extent of the fallen state of man. And this is why he came to die. He was face to face with the thing he was carrying on his back was manifesting in the people he loved. He loved them. He was weeping over that, that his anger against that flesh caused. Have you been so mad you cried? That's the type of cry that happened here. There was such a righteous anger on Jesus that he cried over it. Like, why don't you believe that anger? The anger against Satan for deceiving his people. That anger. You ever been so mad that your child got taken advantage of? I've seen people who their child ran off with a man. They were of age, so they couldn't keep him at home. And they were so upset because they couldn't control it. See, and they knew they were being misled. They knew they were being abused. This was Christ to us. He knew what he was taking on. And watch this. Jesus was still angry. Oh, wait. They said, um, see how much he loved him? And then another set of people said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Man, Jesus heard these words. He was like, this unbelief is sickening. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. So a lot of times people, whenever you go back and read this, if you don't read it right, you'll miss it. It says, he said, where have you put him? They asked. They told him, Lord, come see. Then Jesus wept. People think he was at the tomb when he wept. No, he wept. And then here it says when he arrived at the tomb. It's because there was a process that was happening. Okay, let me just keep reading. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? No, he didn't say, didn't I tell you you'd get what you asked for? Didn't I tell you? He said, you would see God's glory. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and listened to what he says. He says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in the grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Now, many people, many of the people who were with Mary believed this Jesus, believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Listen, there's going to be people in your life that won't agree with the truth. You're going to see God for yourself. Some of you are already seeing God for yourself. You're like, man, I cannot believe I was like that last week. Two weeks ago, 
three weeks ago. I can't believe I used to try and perform so much. I can't believe I was trying to please my spouse so much that I put all my eggs in an earthly basket. Man, it was Easter all the time, right? But I can't believe that I lived this way. This whole time God was trying to get my attention. You know, there's a miracle happening in your life when this is happening. You're coming out of the tomb. You were wrapped in grave clothes. God said, come out when he spoke to you and you came out of that workspace mentality. God set you free. And that's why in that freedom, you can't go back the way you used to. You can't do it anymore because you know what it was like coming out of a stinky grave. I want to, I want to read these last two sets of scriptures and then, and then I'm going to pray here in just a second. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen, but some of them went to the Pharisees and said what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then then the Roman army will, will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Cephas, who was a high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Verse 51 and 52 are some of the most profound verses because they give you clarity into the life of Christ. Look at this. He did not say this on his own. Now, this was a a, a government official. And it says he did not say this on his own. Then who was putting it in him to say it? You mean God uses unbelievers? Let me let me help you out. I know some of us in here are saying, then how do we decipher? How do you want to know how to see clear? Stop looking at you. The more you make this walk about you, you're not going to discern spirits. You're not going to discern nothing. That is the greatest blinder you can have is your purpose, your call, your mission, your blessing, your life, your this, your that. It blinds you because you become laser focused on you. But when your focus is on the Lord, then you can tell when an unbeliever is being used to actually help you get to where God wants you to be. But you can't see that when it's all about you because you think unbelievers can't be used. (laughs) You won't even know the difference when it's being used by God or not. Because you can't tell the glory to God when you're making it about yourself. That's how I know John, when he was writing this and observing what was going on, was able to tell that it was the Lord putting the words in Cephas' mouth. That's why he wrote it this way. He said he did not say this on his own. How else could John write that if he wasn't observant of what the spirit of God was doing? Come on, somebody help me. As high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. Verse 52, and not only for the nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Scattered all around the world. God used this unbeliever. This government official, this is why I say, don't get on Newsom. Don't get on Trump. Don't look at the news and start thinking, you know, these people, you don't know these people. You don't wake up and have breakfast with these people. 
You know, a three minute clip that you made a decision about. Don't let your flesh deceive you. God could very well be telling Newsom, don't open the churches. Because he's prophesying something else. Look what's happening. We're having church. We couldn't stand in the obedience of God with this dynamic if God doesn't put it in his mouth to do that. And we wouldn't be able to see the glory of God that's coming if God didn't put the government officials to do what they're doing. Listen, he's in control. This is all for the glory of God. And I'm going to say this, and this is where I, I really hope again, you go home, you say, man, like you do every week, right? That was a lot. <laughs> well, start taking notes. I promise it'll help you. But you would say, and by the way, if you take notes, just realize that it's not notes just for you. You don't know who's going to read your notes. You don't know who's going to read what you wrote down. Somebody may very well preach from your notes. The Bible is not the only thing inspired by the Lord. People are inspired by the Lord. You better get that in you. But I want to say this. Whenever you go home, you're going to be tempted. And let me tell you why this is such a a time of deliverance for God's people. Because you're going to go home and you're going to be tempted because you don't want a message like this. This isn't the message we're looking for. We don't wake up in the day, at least the times we're in, and majority of people, they don't wake up in the day and say, God, give me revelation so you can get glory. Let me, let me, I want the truth. Give me as much as I can get. Like, fill me up to overflowing. I want the truth. I want the truth. People don't wake up asking God for that. They don't. They, this is how they wake up. Father, I pray I have a good day and uh, pray, for, pray for my family. I pray we're, we don't have anything bad happen. Serious? Like, don't let me get angry. I, I got an anger problem. You know that, Lord. Don't let me get angry. And you're praying about yourself. But the truth is, is you're not, let me, fi- let me fix this. You're not praying about yourself. Like, don't let me get angry so that way the gospel can go forward. Don't, Father, keep me from anger so that I would be more effective when I preach. Keep me from anger so my wife can actually receive from me now. Or my husband can receive from me. Like, keep me from anger so that you can be seen. Like I'm asking to be decreased so that you can be seen. People don't wake up like that. And we should. We should. It, it shouldn't. Oh, man. If, if there was a camera in my room, right, I'd let, I'd let you watch. But I'm just being honest with you. It takes God to get you here. And he's doing it right now. But the reason why you're not is because what you're praying for is not what he is asking you to pray for. What you're actually living for isn't what he's asking you to live for. And you have to get there. You have to get there that everything in your life, everything, the clothes you wear, the car you drive, everything is is literally set up to take your attention away from God. May God give you the ability to drive your car without worshiping it. So you can worship the Lord. May God give you the ability to own your house with the full trust that he might ask you to give it away. May you live in such a way that you could trust God will never leave you without. But you don't worship the thing he gives you. Ha! See, I'm hearing chains break. Like freedom is happening right now. 
Because if we know this Jesus, oh man, sometimes I just feel like an old man. <laughs> I feel like I'm like 80, like preaching a gospel from like, I feel like I'm preaching something that is new, but it's not new. You know what I mean? This Jesus. Please don't leave and say, Pastor Tony's a really cool guy. Please don't do that. Like, don't make me the center of anything. Oh, he really knows how to communicate. No, God is the one that gives people communication skills. Don't give me glory for anything. I don't deserve the glory for anything. Give God the glory. And go with this Jesus, the true living Christ, the one that rose Lazarus from the grave and did it for the glory of God. That Jesus, go home with that Jesus. Open your Bibles and read them with joy because you get to. Turn on your worship music and worship God, but listen to the message that's in those worship songs. When that scripture I said earlier about test every spirit, that's outside of the body of Christ, guys. Within the body of Christ, you'll have to do that a little bit, especially if you're new and you haven't really gotten to know people. I get it. But outside of that, Outside of what is trustworthy, you should test what's on the radio. You should test what's coming from all the YouTube channels. You should test everything. Because sometimes you're listening to worship songs that are glorifying your flesh. And you're loving it. I know because I was there. There were certain songs I went to when I wanted to get that feeling of like, God is the Lord, have mercy on me. He loves us, right? I'm serious. Be careful because sometimes the best thing you can do is sit in silence. So the spirit of God can come and speak to you. This is the Jesus that God is wanting us to walk away with today. Amen. And there's no way to close. I can't, you know, Nate, come up, play the keys. Like, I can't do that. No, you know what you need is the Holy Spirit go with you. May May the spirit of the Lord go with you. May you be ministered to today. Spend time. You don't have to rush out. If, if you guys have nowhere to be, fellowship with somebody. we got plenty of time. I'll wait here all day. I don't care. I have nothing else to do this afternoon. I'll fall asleep right here. If you don't mind me napping and snoring, I'll sleep. But I'm serious. Take the time to minister. Fellowship. you got brothers and sisters here in this room that have no problem carrying your burdens with you. You don't know if next week you're going to be here. Who's going to be here? Fellowship with each other. But if you got to go, go. Don't feel the burden on any side. Just know you're free. Know you're free in Christ. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the word. The word. It's grace, life, and truth. We thank you for speaking clearly to us. And I pray, Father, that we would not be a people who chase to appeal the flesh, but we would only seek after you. Your will be done in Jesus' name.